Welcome back to now episode three. Is that what we're on? I can't keep track because, you know, we're just pumping out so much content. <laughs> episode three of the Balls Deep Cinema yeah. podcast. Uh, Brandon Cortez, Stephen Ranchu joining me. I am Jay Shatara. Uh, we have two episodes of Ahsoka to catch up on. A lot of good content these past couple of weeks. So let's just jump right in it. Um, we'll start with episode four, or excuse me, five. So we did a recap of episodes one through four. Um, if you haven't checked out that episode, go check it out. Um, but, you know, we'll talk about episode five which was uh, about a week ago now. And I mean, in my opinion, some of the best Star Wars that we've gotten since Disney took over. Uh, and, and I say Star Wars. I think Andor was a really good show, but I think it's more of a spy, crime drama, thriller. Uh, this felt like Star Wars all over again. Um, obviously, a big spoiler warning ahead, so this is your chance to go. Uh, I mean, we know how episode four ended, the big reveal that Hayden Christensen came back uh, in The World Between Worlds. And then now this was building upon that. I kind of love how the episode opens up. It's about like 10 minutes of like really kind of teasing you. Like, when are we going to... We all know what we came for, Anakin and Ahsoka's reunion. Yeah. And here we are, just uh, Hera talking to Carson and her son and Chopper. And we're like, yo, just get to it. So I kind of like that <laughs> anticipation, that buildup. Um, I like seeing Jason's force abilities. Uh, as a Rebels fan, you only got about 30 seconds of Jason Syndulla in the um, in the final episode. So kind of fun seeing him in live action and seeing his force abilities like his father. Um, but the big thing here is Ahsoka and Anakin in the world between worlds. I love how they kind of just jump into the action. It's like a little bit of dialogue and then boom, lightsaber fight. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I thought it overall was one of the best Star Wars pieces of content since Disney took over this whole franchise back in two, 2012. Yeah. Um, great, great intro there, Jay. I, I know we mentioned a little bit briefly last episode, all three of us said that the Star Wars fandom hasn't been respected in a while. And I think we saw that a lot with the sequel trilogy where it was a lot of fan service without being completed or kind of being rewarded. Um, I think just this flashback alone um, and we've talked about how much Dave Filoni really cares and wants to do his best with his new, you know, Disney Plus, I guess, uh, series. But you see that more with Ahsoka than you did see with Mandalorian season three and Book of Boba Fett. Um, I, I was just wowed the entire time. I think seeing this, the love letter to Clone Wars being brought to life, seeing Anakin with the haircuts <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, or, you know, young Ahsoka and just these scenes, uh, what really feels like you know a, that the kind of little therapy session or almost like last bit of training like what anakin um or whatever anakin is um said to ahsoka uh, i don't know it was just 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 looking at it the entire time it wasn't even anything i was thinking about as one screenwriter or film critic would look at i was just enjoying it i was just in the moment kind of just letting it come to me just me as a viewer me as a fan just watching uh, that come across. I I agree. I think it was really beautiful. Uh, just really, it took its time with it. They didn't feel too forced. Um, but yeah, I do agree that it is some of the best thing we've ever seen for Star Wars, even if it lasted maybe a total of 15, 20 or so minutes. Yeah, no, I thought episode five, um, I thought it was probably one of the better episodes. You know, we're five, six episodes in. I think it would rank in my top three so far. Um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see Hayden Christensen. Um, I just really loved that sequence of Ahsoka falling, you know, from the bridge. And she's just back into her young self. And we're thrown into the Clone Wars, right? Um, in, in the midst of the Clone Wars. And, you know, as someone who did not see the Clone Wars series, 
Um, but I did watch the Clone Wars movie in theaters back in the day, uh, a very much younger <laughs> Steve. Um, it was cool to see how faithful they were to, um, you know, making Anakin look what he looked like during the Clone Wars. Um, it was really a cinematic experience. I thought it was really kind of breathtaking to see the storm stormtroopers just running through the, the, the mist. And uh, we start to see, we're just thrown into what was the conflict and Anakin leading the battle. So right then and there, I, I knew this was a great uh, moment that not only kind of exude fan service, because obviously, we, you know, as you, as you mentioned, a love, a love letter to Clone Wars, but at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was just a great way to um, reintroduce Hayden Christensen, reintroduce Anakin as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, it was more so his function of being there was to let Ahsoka know that, you know, she wants to live. Um, I was wondering if we would get more explanations on where she was. Um, I don't know if I really kind of understood that. Um, if you guys had any kind of, I guess, interpretations of where Ahsoka went to, was she on the brink of death, you know, or was she in a different dimension? What was, what was, what was I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great question. And kind of before we possibly answer that, I thought Hayden Christensen's performance was phenomenal. I think as an actor, I don't know. I just I just saw a lot more in, of it than we saw in Revenge of the Sith. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just that's something that I do want to highlight. His performance was just really, really good. You can see how much he cared for that rebuild. Jay, you talked about it last week, how he went from, I think, fans loving just that performance or his, you know, uh, just him being in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith to just years later it building up. Um, I think you almost saw that emotion in the actor um, himself. And that's something that I did want to highlight uh, before, Steve, before we answer your question about what it was uh, that we were seeing. Yeah, I actually did want to point out Hayden's performance too. You could tell even just like as a human being, he has grown so much as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I uh, you know, he did some movies after Revenge of the Sith. You could tell he was kind of like on the, they were trying to make him the next big Hollywood star jumper was his big flop and you know we never really <laughs> yeah. saw him after again yeah i thought he was phenomenal this episode i think it's a great point you put brandon is that he cares so much about the character we saw yeah. him doing all the press tours for obi-wan and um you can just tell the fans received him so well um to answer steve's question she was in the world between worlds but there's a lot of interpretation out there was she dead was she on the brink of death um you know uh, uh, what was the point of this? And I think my interpretation, and maybe maybe many people's interpretation, mm-hmm. was Ahsoka has a lot of guilt. She left Anakin in the Jedi Order, and uh, shortly after that, he became Darth Vader. And you see it in Rebels when she fights Darth Vader again. She has to confront that because she has to realize she has to come to terms with the truth, and the truth hurts. You know that's a saying: the truth hurts. She has to come to realization that. Darth Vader, this monster, this guy who has killed billions of people with the Death Star, or not at that point yet, but will eventually, um, you know, he's wielding the Youngling Slayer 3000 on his belt, you know, like <laughs> this guy, this guy absolutely is a monster yeah. now. And yeah. the guy who was once so caring, uh, loved his, his girl more than anything and would eventually love his kids, never really kind of came to be. He turned into an absolute monster in, in a literal and, and figurative sense because look what he also has become. He's become an actual robotic mechanic monster, doesn't have limbs anymore, needs a breathing apparatus. So 
Um, she has a lot of guilt for that. She feels like if she was there during Order 66, she could have turned him or, or whatever it may be. And my interpretation is as she was about to die, um, she has similar guilt for Sabine. Uh, she tried training Sabine and Sabine, uh, it didn't work out. We haven't really seen that yet in episode five or six, why it didn't really work out. But she has that guilt and she has guilt as a master and an apprentice because her master became something dark and maybe her apprentice is on a similar path. We don't know yet. So, uh, you know, I, I interpret it as she's really struggling with that and her on the brink of death in the world between worlds. Anakin's trying to tell her it's not your fault. Um, whatever what was going to happen was going to happen. Uh, I saw a good tweet. Basically, Ahsoka has a lot of trauma, but they just don't have mental health services in the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she was a child warrior, if you think about it. She was, I think George Lucas always said she was like 13 or something like that when she first was introduced in, to us as a fan base. And, um, I mean, she is in the middle of a all-out war as a, as a teenager. So, you know, she experienced a lot of trauma, and this was her way of sort of getting that guilt of Anakin off her chest and uh, maybe dealing with some of that to become a better master. And, and it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this. The first four episodes, she doesn't smile much. She's very stoic. These next two episodes, yeah. she's cracking jokes with Hugh Yang. And, and she's just very like, she's a little more upbeat, but still kind of yeah. that stoic personality. So clearly this worked. Um, to answer these questions, she is in the world between worlds, which is uh, a bunch of portals where uh, past, present, and future meets. But, um, you know, I don't know if we're going to see the world mm -hmm. between worlds again. We might get into that when we talk about episode mm -hmm. five. I do have a theory. Don't want to spoil it just yet. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, it was a it's a place where I don't know if that was actually Anakin. I don't know if that was a force ghost. I don't know if that was just a, a, an aberration from her mind. But she got over that guilt of Anakin's turn. And, and I absolutely loved it. And, and it was a love letter to Colin Richards. Yeah. And uh, you you brought up a good point with Ahsoka being very serious. Uh, it almost reminded me a little bit of Luke Skywalker in uh, Return of the Jedi, where it's like, you know, we saw, you know, preppy kid, pretty happy kid in the first two movies. Um, but in so many years when he's gotten older and more mature, I don't know if it's just the Jedi thing, but <laughs> it seems to be you get, you get a little bit more serious. You're blunt. You're very straightforward. We see a, we see a very, very mature, blunt Luke in uh return of the jedi and that's i don't know if that's but that's how i kind of felt with ahsoka too you are right she does have a little bit of that smirk but she's very straightforward i feel like we don't see much of the kid i don't know if that's maturity or a little bit but you are right maybe hopefully we do see some of that kind of a little bit of the kid in her uh from the clone wars but and obviously a much older uh mature personality that is ahsoka yeah no i, I would love to see uh when i was watching i was thinking if they did like a, a Clone Wars movie, like a but like a live action one, not the yeah. animated one, uh, I think it would be probably one of the better kind of storylines mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. amalgamation of storylines you could adapt for a Star Wars movie. Because mm -hmm. the excerpt that I saw in Episode Five, I was that was probably the most interesting stuff in the show for me to see mm -hmm. the stormtroopers, to see a young mm -hmm. Anakin, um, to see a young yeah. Ahsoka, even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm curious, did Hayden Christensen's a great actor. Um, mm -hmm. I felt like I, I was watching like Keanu Reeves for a second. When I saw that. <laughs> that's no slight on Hayden. That's no, no slight on Hayden, yeah. but it, it, I felt like it was, I felt like it was similar to how Keanu Reeves interprets uh, John Wick. But yeah, 
Yeah. But what I will say is, did you guys feel like Hayden was pulling his performance from, um, was this Anakin Skywalker, did it embody the performance that we saw from Hayden in the prequel trilogy? Or was it more of the Anakin Skywalker we saw in uh, the Clone Wars and in the animated uh, content? In terms of how, how the, the perform not the performance, but the way Anakin was portrayed in terms of how he interacted with Ahsoka. Um, and then a little bit of, of him, you know, obviously when he turned it to uh pre darth vader anakin that was very much pulled from the prequel yeah. but mm-hmm. from the prequel movies uh specifically revenge of the sith but um, in terms of uh the the younger anakin um with the clone wars specific background yeah. was that pulling from was that the same character y- y'all saw in the clone wars or was that uh classic hating christensen performance i think it pulled from three parts here and mm-hmm. and the first part we see is anakin from the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, he's snarky, he's cocky. Uh, yeah. Him and Ahsoka are actually, the reason I think they work so well together in the cartoon is because they're kind of the same. They don't listen, they don't take directions well. Uh, they kind of go on their own path most times. Um, Ahsoka more than others, and it leads to some really disappointing results. But, um, you know, they have really good banter. And you see it right away. He goes, oh, you got old. And, or she mm-hmm. says, you look the same. And he says, you got old. Like, that's just their banter. Yeah. That was really good. The yeah. second part of it is I think he was pulling some of that uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith, um, especially when you get to the Siege of Mandalore. The Siege of Mandalore um, is happening at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. So he's kind of pulling that. He's got the longer haircut, the same exact dark robes. I want to say his Clone Wars look in live action was badass. The, uh, the armor, the Clone Wars armor yeah. was so cool. And then I think the third part is Hayden Christensen. When you see him as Darth Vader, but like not the Darth Vader we know. We know Darth Vader as the robot who breathes really heavily. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, you see his face for the first time. That Darth Vader we saw in this episode was the Darth Vader that Obi-Wan Kenobi robbed us of. I'm just going to throw it out there. Obi-Wan, I now hate you because we would have saw a completely more powerful. And I mean, when he had that red lightsaber in his hand, I was that's what like Palpatine probably envisioned when he was trying to recruit Anakin as his apprentice because he was just overpowered. And I thought that was really good by Hayden Christensen to show that like, when he was like, you lack conviction and they did the really good voice mixing with James Earl Jones voice. Um, So I I thought it was kind of like three parts. You got the kind of beginning that Clone Wars, then that Revenge of the Sith Anakin. Then he just got Hayden Christensen, you know, kind of his own take. Mm -hmm. And we did kind of see it in Obi-Wan Kenobi in his final fight with Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. You know, you only see a part of his face but you can kind of see the emotion through that mask. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, no, you bring up a good point. I, I would have answered that question the same way, Jay. Um, I think Clone Wars, like little flashback scene, definitely Revenge of the Sith, very much that very beginning. Uh, definitely just kind of heading Christensen. I think when he first sees Ahsoka, uh, it's the way I see it is more of that's the spirit from Return of the Jedi, like at the very end of that movie. Like that's him living that sort of almost peaceful life but being able to still train use some of his powers that he still does that's the type of anakin i saw like in, in the bridge moment like not the flashbacks but the bridge i definitely saw that um a little bit but you are right i i really if there's one thing that i really wish could have happened was seeing anakin more as anakin you know and not a robot and as darth vader um just you know when he's first when he first kills uh mace windu and what Palpatine sees him when he's when he's you know going on on his killing spree, uh, spree, uh, those red eyes, the orange eye 
that's mm-hmm. something I wish we saw a lot of, and I'm happy we we were able to see what maybe could be one last time. Um, but yeah, that was that was a lot of a lot of mix of a lot of things, Stephen. I think that's a good way that Jay answered it. Yeah, and I'm wondering, um, with that episode, mm-hmm. like where where are we where are we progressing to? Um, and obviously with episode six, we can just get right into it with episode six. Yep, we see a lot of Sabine, we see a lot of Balin of Shin. Um, mm-hmm. but we also see Admiral Thrawn. Um, oh, yeah, Lars Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had a great conversation before the show about Admiral Thrawn's history dating back only to the 90s, pre Disney, yeah. uh, classic <laughs> Lucasfilm Admiral yeah. Thrawn. And, um, you know, I'm not familiar with the character to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the all my exposure to Admiral Thrawn was just Jay telling me, Hey, Thrawn's coming. <laughs> and, and, not mention, and not to mention uh i'm a fan of Lars mickelson as an actor um great on yep. house of cards oh definitely uh, yep yep great family the mickelson family uh oh, yeah. But, <laughs> uh yeah i'm just curious you know you know a lot of episode five was uh i think just you know kind of the flashback and we do see a little bit of Hera's child i guess I feel like that's kind of Disney saying like, Hey, watch out. This guy could be a Jedi one day. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Most yeah. of it was the flashback. Um, as far as how the story progresses, I think in episode six, we really start to see, um, I guess mm-hmm. the, the, the wheel spinning because we see Thrawn finally arrive. Yep. Um, we see a little bit of the witches um, and Jay, you can, who are the witches again? They're the, yeah. The, 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 the sisterhood of, go ahead. Sorry. The night. Not the sisterhood of the traveling pants. The, uh, <laughs> the the night sisters, yeah. Uh, a little no, not the, uh, not uh, the, the Macbeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the three witches for Macbeth. Which actually probably there probably was a lot of symbolism in that. I mean, a lot I of inspiration. I can tell you that's the yeah. first thought that came to my mind. Uh, <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna uh, say just just to go off that Shakespeare symbolism. Uh, just a few things I'll hand it off to you, yeah. Jay. Um, I'm I'm curious about the the witch's role. Um, you know whether their story expands a little bit because I would be curious to learn about their lore, their background. Um, I'm not sure they'll get into it in this show, but it's definitely uh-huh. something that's curious as a, as a side character. Um, and as far as the 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 Macbeth elements of it, just speaking on Shakespeare, uh-huh. uh, I thought Ray Stevenson's given the best performance of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought his performance mm-hmm. was pristine this last episode um his talk with shin about just the endless cycles of him looking back at his day in the days when he was a part of the order um and just him speaking about how everything's just an endless cycle where it's just all expected to happen in his mind and he's trying to break the cycle i think we learn a lot about his um motivations as a character previously on the last episode i thought i thought he was just not a good guy but i think in this episode we really see him as almost a tired soul in a way um almost tired of the world almost tired of um the endless cycle of of violence of of imperialism in the star wars universe and so i think uh and i think ray stevenson's given the best performance by far i almost i'm almost shocked to see how good he is in this show not because i know how good he is as an act he was as an actor um but the way he's really embodying a the character of balin and what balin's motivations are how I guess just physically and mentally he views the world of star Wars and, and the galaxy and just what he's trying to get out of it. Um, I'm just, I was blown away by his performance, but yeah, I mean, I'm just curious, you know, like what is, I guess, 
how's the story going to keep progressing? What are we going to get into? Because I know Thrawn's here, but I guess what's the stakes now? What is really the end game? I know you you guys seeing Rebels and the mm-hmm. animated series mm-hmm. have a better idea of what Thrawn's capabilities are. I'm just curious, you know, now that we're we got the Hayden Christensen part out of it, now Thrawn's here. We we've we've got the cameos from the previous IP from the previous, <laughs> you know, series and the movies. Yeah. I'm curious now, what's the end goal? What are we heading to in, in your guys' opinion? So I do want to say one thing, and and, and I have a, again, I have a theory about what Balin's up to. We'll get to that after after we do our first break. Um, but I will say this: uh, Thrawn, his objective from Rebels all the way to now, uh, his objective is always to know his enemy better than the enemy knows themselves. And the reason I think that the the Hayden Christensen, yes, it was good for Ahsoka to kind of get over that guilt, things like that. I want to say this though. He says when when Morgan Elsbeth tells him that, uh, or that the Night Sisters, excuse me, tell him that um, Ahsoka is on the way. He tells Morgan Elsbeth, "I need to know everything about her. I need to know who her master was, who trained her, this, this, and that." Right? He's saying that for a few reasons, and this just goes into the mind of the tactician that Thrawn is. This is why he's my second favorite villain in any media, probably after after Darth Vader, because where he might lack and he's actually a really skilled fighter you find that out in uh in rebels he's a very good fighter but mm-hmm. uh where he might not have the force for instance he's not a sith um he's such a good tactician he's gonna use ahsoka's guilt against her he's gonna find out who that anakin was her master and when they fight and when they meet up he's gonna use that against her i guarantee it because he wants to get in your head that's how he beats he will get in your head when he goes up against the rebels in in the rebels, uh, one of the last few episodes in the, one of their final battles. Uh, spoiler alert: Kane and Jarvis, Hera's, uh, you know, lover, boyfriend, whatever you want to call him, and Jason's dad ends up dying. He's the Jedi that trains Ezra. Um, you know, he uses Hera's um, um, family history like against her. He she, she has a, a relic. It's called the Calicori. It's this whole thing. Uh, that they do a whole arc in Rebels on, and he steals it from her, and like he just knows how to get in the enemy's head. So um, when he said that, I think that's actually going to help add even more context to the hating Christians and stuff. Where you think she got over her guilt of him turning into Darth Vader, I think Thrawn is actually going to use that against her. And I think he's going to really try to get in her head. Um, I can't wait for those two to meet, because they're so different, but they're also so the same. They have the same personality. They're calm, they're cool, uh, they're good under pressure. They're hard to beat. Thrawn was uh, a two-season villain, and he was very hard to beat um, in Rebels. And it took Ezra using the Force to get the Purgle just to get him out of the galaxy. I mean, he, he's that good. And a quick history on the Night Sisters: They're from Dathomir, same planet as Darth Maul. They actually saved Darth Maul. Uh, so uh, a funny story. Dave, uh, George Lucas goes to Dave Filoni and says, hey, make Darth Maul a villain in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Dave Filoni tells George, hey, I can't do that. You killed him in Phantom Menace. And he goes, just figure it out. So he actually introduces Darth Maul's brother, Savage Opress, who becomes Count Dooku's apprentice. Um, and then the next season, George goes, just find a way to bring Darth Maul back. So they introduced the Night Sisters. I mean, we got the Night Sisters because George Lucas just really wanted Darth Maul back. And they used their magic to bring Darth Maul back. So... That's kind of um, they end up yeah. getting massacred by General Grievous, so that's what ends up happening, and that's why the Night Sisters are kind of in the series now. That, yeah, there's a uh, that's that that's happen? a lot of little history. When did that happen, Jay? When did uh, General <laughs> Grievous massacre them? Uh, that was like season five or six of Clone Wars. Wow. Okay. And what happened to Darth yeah. Maul? 
Uh, so he actually dies in Rebels. Damn, I got a lot to catch up on. Sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just, uh, Steve, kind of going back to your point of where we go next, right? I think episode one's through four, it's mission get to Ezra, right? Um, but also at the same time, mission B is stop, uh, stop them from bringing back Thrawn. Um, now that episode five and six achieved of getting to Thrawn and Sabine reaching um, Ezra. Now, now we're kind of a little bit of a crossroads or at like, I, we still assume that Ahsoka is going to still try to find Sabine back. Um, but when she does in these final, what, two episodes, seven and eight, um, I think that's where we expect the big battles to happen. Um, it, it, it really feels interesting because it took us a little while to get to five total episodes until six to get to Thrawn and Ezra. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very interesting where we're going to go with this. Uh, and Jay, I know we mentioned this a little bit. Um, and Steve, I don't know how you felt, but it it felt a little bit. It I felt like if if my best friend disappeared for so many years and I never saw him or her or whoever. I feel like I would run up to that person and hug that person. Um, <laughs> I just didn't feel like a big fan of just a little quick chat and then just a little quick hug. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that felt for me like I felt like there should have been a lot more emotion um, between the actors um, or what was written for that or the direction. Um, that's something that I felt was a little bit lackluster. So my fear is that that relationship or between the two actors uh won't be its best maybe that's just me overthinking it but um as well as with thrawn i mean the music score was really good you know as the ship's coming down as we see as we coming then um (laughs) it's and i think that his introduction is pretty good it's very slow straight to the point he's walking down um but there's something about the whole Ezra part that's, and I I love the actor. I think I the moment I saw him, I immediately think this is good. This is a guy who's so much older. He's been a couple of years as a nomad. He's been on his own, just surviving. Uh, but it was a little bit of that introduction that kind of bothered me a little bit. I don't know how you two felt about that. I don't know what to feel because I'm not familiar with Ezra. So. <laughs> uh, honestly, I mean. Yeah, I I just I know Sabine yeah. cares about Ezra. Um, mm-hmm. you know they have a past. Um, Jay, you'd probably be better to to kind of dive into your thoughts on the whole Ezra and Sabine interaction. No, I definitely thought it was underwhelming. Um, as Brandon said, you would think if I hadn't seen my friend for so many years, or even presumed dead, because uh, the way they ended Rebels was very. I mean, for the time at that point, I think only the Last Jedi was out. Um, they were getting ready to release Rise of Skywalker. So um, for for that to come out, I mean, a lot of people were wondering where the hell did Ezra go? Where the hell did Thrawn go? Uh, especially because this all happens before A New Hope. I get it. These characters are out there, and the original trilogy throws everything off because you don't see these characters in the main fight. Uh, one good thing they really did is Rogue One came out in the middle of Rebels, and you see the ghost, the iconic ghost ship that Hera uh, uh, flies. It's in that final battle. You see it like in the side. So they, they do a good, you see Chopper, he makes a good cameo in, uh, in the Rebel base. So they do a good job of incorporating these things in new movies, but you're kind of like, okay, they weren't there in the main fight. So I, I just, um, I really think it was underwhelming. I think there could have been a lot more emotion. They haven't seen each other in a long time. 
I just, uh, I kind of hope when him and Ahsoka reunite, it's a little bit better because they did have a relationship themselves in terms of a friendship. So I hope that's what we kind of see. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we have a theory for you and we'll kind of finish our breakdown of what we kind of hope to see for the final two episodes or yeah, final two episodes. I can't believe we're already at the end of this. All right, we'll be right back. So I guess my question being, um, if she was in the world between worlds, then she probably teleported into a, a past moment in her life where she was mm-hmm. actually within it or simply a flashback. And I bring that up because the way Balin, how he he's a, almost obsessed with the idea of um, going back to the beginning, um, familiar with Anakin, but you really don't know how, you know, what could be the reason. I'm wondering if he's possibly like he's been to the world between worlds or he's maybe a time traveler. I don't know what you think about that, <laughs> Jay Branded. I think uh, there was a sneaky line in there. Um, I think Balin actually fought in the Clone Wars and was part of the Jedi Order. Uh, there's a sneaky line in there when they meet Thrawn for the first time and he looks at Balin. He says he wasn't part of the plan. And uh, uh, Morgan Elsbeth goes, oh, he used to be a Jedi. He goes, oh, so General Balin School. The reason he mm-hmm. called him General Balin School is because in the Clone Wars, Jedi were generals. Yeah, and and Grand Admiral Thawne, who wasn't a Grand Admiral at that point, um, you know, fought with these Jedi's side by side and and knew like everything about them. The reason he was able to duck, deduct that Vader was Anakin, is actually he studied Anakin's fighting style so much that when he saw Vader fight, he saw him use the same fighting style. So um, the reason he called, I, I genuinely think. Balin Skull fought in the Clone Wars. And then there's another line later when he's talking with Shin Hati, his, his apprentice. Mm-hmm. He um she she asks him about uh, uh what it was like to be in the Jedi Order or mm-hmm. did you love it? And he said, uh, you know, I loved the idea of it, but you know, you you don't know what it's like to see your world burn. I think he's actually talking about the Jedi Temple. If you remember in Order 66, in Revenge of the Sith, that scene where Anakin's climbing the steps with the clones. It's burning. The temple's literally burning. Yeah. I think he was there on Order 66. I'm wondering if he was one of the Jedi to escape, similar to uh, um, the, the Inquisitor from Obi-Wan. I'm forgetting her name. That's you know, right. She was there as a youngling, but uh, Balin's clearly much older. I think he was maybe around the same age or a little older than Obi-Wan. And, um, you know, he probably fought with Anakin and he, you know, he even mentioned a line that Anakin spoke so highly of you when he said that to Ahsoka. So that means he's probably even interacted with Anakin. So I think he's part of the Clone Wars. Now, one thing about Balin, they've really established with this character. He's really smart and he knows the Jedi archives really, really well. So my thought is he studied the Jedi archives and the Jedi archives. Just imagine like the library of Congress, but for, for the force, you know, endless knowledge. He probably read about the world between worlds there and he's just aware of it. And he probably knows something that we as the viewer don't know yet, which is that maybe the world between worlds is actually on this planet. This is clearly a force planet. Um, The, the Purgle, the space whales go there to end their journey. He said it was a graveyard. You saw the bones. Um, Clearly there's something special about this planet and he knows something about it. No, that's really going to bring up. I I am somehow getting, I'm going to betray everyone type of vibes and really do my own thing. That's something I can definitely see this mm-hmm. character of Balin uh, doing at some point, whatever that ends up being like. I well, mean, I wonder, I wonder did, if oh. I wonder if her apprentice is going to betray him. I feel like maybe yeah. that's coming. Yeah, the power. I'm yeah. getting some vibes <laughs> from her that she's yeah. not really. Her vibes are a they don't. Off, they don't. Lying. 
they don't seem yeah. that close for they, someone that's yeah. you know her padawan or his padawan right it yeah. doesn't seem like she knows a lot about him yeah which someone's aware yeah that's true someone is a werewolf here so <laughs> and and you know the thing about it is i wonder why if he doesn't really care about bringing the empire back morgan elsbeth has one goal and if you saw the mandalorian season finale with uh john carlo esposito uh you know when he's in the shadow council they all say grand admiral thrawn is returning to bring the empire back morgan elsbeth wants to bring the empire back Balin doesn't really care about that so why would he go on this journey if he was hired as a mercenary to save Morgan Elsbeth in the very first episode, why was he hired uh, to do that but then stick along with them? I think he has ulterior motives. He saw Morgan building this giant hyperspace ring to take them to a completely different galaxy, and I think he has an ulterior motive. I think he wanted to be on that ship for a reason. I don't think he cares about bringing the Empire back. He really wants something that's on a, a Peridia is the planet they're on. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe he knows of a portal to get to the World Between Worlds. Maybe he knows of, of an ancient Jedi temple. Um, what I love about this new galaxy, there's actually a lot of untapped potential. Um, there's video games that are no longer considered canon, where a lot of characters from these video games come from a different galaxy. And there's theories yeah. that they're going to bring a lot of these characters back. Um, that's what I really love about this new galaxy. There's a lot of untapped potential that they can do with it. Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, we have only two more episodes left. Um, would love to see a little more about Thrawn, what he's been up to, what's he been doing. Um, obviously, Ezra as well. Um, you know, whatever happens with Sabine, I think it's pretty a little predictable what's going to happen. Um, kind of a her character. I've I've seen her a lot of times. You know, the 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 eager apprentice, well, Padawan in this case, and I think she'll prove her worth to Ahsoka. Um, but yeah, I. I I'm going into these last two episodes with an open book, you know, don't yeah. really have uh, a good compass on where it's really going. Um, yeah. You know, it seems like Thrawn is a character that's going to be um, the big bad of the whole Filoni verse. If, if yeah. that's uh, accurate. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. um, you know, this, this really might be the, the, the way to introduce Thrawn um, to obviously set him up for the big movie. But, you know, does that mean we see, uh, Shin or Balin or um, Morgan Elsbeth and the witches. Maybe they end up being the more um, focused bad guy these last two episodes with Thrawn obviously right. being the, the major game for future events. That really could be a good thing is that we see the finale of these kind of like pre-set up villains, the B villains um, and see the A villain that is Thrawn being set up more. I don't know. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a uh, Jesus Christ in um, Ezra's character where <laughs> he's very much a very peaceful guy living among those people. And I don't know, I can see him somehow getting a little bit of a change of heart, being like, you know what, this is my home. I care for these turtles. Um, <laughs> maybe I want to stay with them and care for them. And, you know, whenever they might get hunted down by because um, we saw Balin and uh, we saw him and uh, his apprentice uh, get followed by some uh, kind of locals and that was just a little bit of hints um so i don't know if there's even some like more side villains uh maybe a little bit of a knights of ren type of uh mm -hmm. crew here with those that we saw i mean we didn't even get a lot of that so i can even see those characters there is a theory yeah. out there don't forget sabine's last name is ren 
So there is a theory yeah. out there that maybe one day she'll be, uh, or maybe her brother, she does have a brother in the, in the series. Uh, maybe yeah. that's how the Knights of Ren starts, even though they're the biggest disappointment in the sequels. We never get to I, find oh, out no, anything I, about them. What's funny is that I, when you hear Phantom Menace, you think that is the villain, you know, or maybe that is Darth Maul. I, I just really wish one of the first, one of the sequel movies were Star Wars, the Knights of Ren, and them being the main focus. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been yeah. incredibly badass to see them getting eliminated one by one uh, by the heroes. I mean, just one movie. I think that's one of the biggest, uh, you know, wish lists that just never happened that I wish did. Maybe for the eventual Star Wars What If show, if that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I do want to hop into a non-Star Wars related topic. Uh, this is our little surprise, something that we've all. <laughs> it's just it's it's. I mean, um... we gotta cut. Co- we gotta cover everything, Jay. You know, it's, it, it's a movie. Horse, man. I just want to say, I want to preface. It's a movie I'm excited for, and I know Steve's okay. excited for. It. Yeah, Brandon, I, I know, I know you didn't even see the first one. Uh, there was a trailer that dropped yeah. this week, uh, for Aquaman <laughs> two, and and the Lost Kingdom, I think is the name of it. I think it's yeah, uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yep. Yeah. So, so yep. no Aquaman too. Gotta make sure we get the name right. We don't yeah. want James Gunn coming after us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jake, James and James, James Wan is direct is directing it, and I'm a big James Wan fan. Um, I just want to say I love like everything he puts out. Uh, obviously, Malignant, which was on HBO a few years ago, a great mm-hmm. horror thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, Conjuring, Conjuring Two, Insidious. Uh, my. Seven. My personal favorite, Furious Seven. I can't wait to that <laughs> podcast. Uh, so and oh, Saw, of course, you know. So I, you know, obviously a very good director, esteemed director, um, Brandon. I know you didn't see it, but me and Steve did, and I loved the yep. first Aquaman. I thought it was, um, you know, a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. and a very yeah. dark take on the DC extended universe. Every movie to that point was like so dark for no reason, and then you get Aquaman. It's visual. It's funny. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a really bad rendition of Africa by Pitbull in it, and I I think it really doesn't even fit in the movie, but it's hilarious. And um, it's because they go to Africa. So, um, you know, I think uh, Aquaman was one of those movies that, will, like, in a few years, a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, that wasn't that bad. But let's talk about this, the trailer for the second one. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, it Okay. If you guys did you guys watch the Justice League animation show, like animated show back oh, yeah. on like Cartoon Network? Yeah. There's this one really dark episode where um I think it's Aquaman who's lost his arm, and then this one bad guy, I forgot who it was, um, but he's trying to like kill the baby, and then all he's doing is Aquaman, he's protecting his wife and the baby in this animated show. And I don't even think the main like Justice League characters are like really in it. I think it's more of a solo episode. I remember as a little kid just kind of being like, oh, my God, this is very dark. They're going to try to kill the baby, you know, at times. And we see a weekend Aquaman. I feel like I we might see a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I think we might see a little bit. That's the, the immediate first thought that went to my head because I remember that episode as a little kid uh, from the Justice League. Um, and I I think they might head into that a little bit where the Black Manta, you know, there's a part in the in the trailer where he says, I'm going to hurt everyone, you know, your family, your friends. Um, and I think that's where it's gonna head towards to uh, just and just seeing a maybe bloody violent ending to <laughs> to Black Manta. I don't know. That's just my little prediction. But um, colorful, visual. I I love all of that. I think it's definitely something that they can really take to with the world building. Uh, that I think they can really do well in this movie, just as it did in the first movie. Yeah, I saw the trailer, and I do want to say. Um... I liked the first Aquaman. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I didn't think it was fantastic, but I thought it was good. Um, in comparison to some of the other DC, you know, films that came out, um, I mean, I liked it better than Suicide Squad. The was it David Ayer one? The David Ayer one. No, not a fan gosh, of that. Yeah. Not a fan. I don't want to relitigate the, yeah. the DCU, but I thought it was one of the better DC DCU movies up there with the Suicide Squad. Um, up there with man really not a lot of great ones up there with maybe maybe include yeah. batman v superman ultimate edition but i i can't i can't talk up the theatrical code but oh, um yeah. that movie has its problems too but as far as yep. the trailer goes um look i thought it looked like a great time um that's you know, really the it. thing i do yep. like about the the dceu movies the ones that work um that have worked mm-hmm. um you know, the one thing I do like is the fact that they get directors from the horror genre um, and mm-hmm. they take a stab at the comic book movies. And for the most part, I think they do a pretty good job. Um, the yep. first Shazam movie was directed by David F. Sandberg, um, mm-hmm. kind of a classic horror, not classic horror director, but for the most part was um, that's all he directed was horror movies. Um, the first Shazam, pretty good movie. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and it obviously did well for DC. It made money. Shazam 2, it really did not move the needle, but I don't really put that on the, on the director. Um, I still think he directed a fine movie. Um, Andy, Andy Muschietti for The Flash. You know, Andy Muschietti, obviously, from the It series. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, James Wan, who's really, you know, in our generation, a pretty accomplished horror director who's directed mm-hmm. a bunch of classic horror movies that, um, you know, for from the 2000s, 2010s, yeah. that really stick for a lot of people. Um, so I like how the DC universe does this. They they bring in the horror directors who um, I think infuse a good formula um, that for the most part work, or at least for some of the films. And with this trailer, you know, what they did with the first Aquaman, they really wanted to make it almost like an Indiana Jones experience where, you know, we have this objective. We're going to take you through the swashbuckling adventure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're going to take you to um, different set pieces. We're going to get you literally in the ocean you're going to see a beautiful um you know under underwater atlantis um you're going to see big fight scenes and you're the biggest thing is you're going to have um a charismatic lead and that's the one Mm -hmm. thing the flash was missing you know it had Mm -hmm. a lot of things i like the director i like andy machete i liked a lot of the cast keaton affleck shosh calais a super girl you know but the one thing he was missing was the lead because ezra miller yeah really did not work as Barry Allen in the flash, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I agree. With um, you. And especially with the responsibility put on the shoulders of Ezra Miller in that movie. But that's the opposite with Aquaman because who doesn't like Jason Momoa? I mean, Jason Momoa is a, one of the more charismatic, one of the more, I'd say beloved actors of our generation. Um, he's whatever film he is, he's in um, the films tend to do really well. Mm-hmm. And overall, it's just nice to see him in the movie because he's always brings a good time. He brings a great energy. Yeah. And in this trailer, I saw nothing different from what I've seen from a lot of what Jason Momoa does. So um, it's got a great cast. Love Patrick Wilson. Love Yaya mm-hmm. uh, Abdul-Mateen. Um, Nicole Kidman, of course. Tamira Morrison as well. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of things going for it. And I guess my biggest question after watching this is, or I guess going into it, as well is will this give a satisfied ending satisfying ending to the dceu as we know it because obviously james gunn coming in about to take over the reins and i think it looks like a good time um and i'm just wondering can this movie i want to get your thoughts 
can this movie really save the, I guess, lasting kind of appeal or the lasting sensation that we got from the Snyderverse slash, you know, the last couple, um, you know, entries mm-hmm. in the DCEU? Um, and I meant to ask this just kind of a little bit more for clarification, but is this the final part or pre James Gunn movie because it was already in production? Is this what's kind of wrapping up uh, last so I series would, or I, I would consider based on my interpretation interpretation that mm. the James Gunn movies have not started yet. Um, well, Blue Beetle is technically Blue Beetle. Be first. Yeah, thought, yeah. Well, the way he described it was it's the first character, but it's not a part of his chain of movies. Hmm. Okay. So okay, interesting. The character will be included in James Gunn's universe. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll see because right blue beetle didn't do that great box office wise but <laughs> yeah the movie was good enough to where i think james gunn will include it into yeah. the grander scheme of his his gun universe um yeah. but yes i mean you could consider blue beetle a part of the the gun run but this you know the flash shazam 2 um aquaman is really just the last temptation of the yeah of the of the Snyderverse and the the remnants of it because you still have all the classic actors that I think Zack Snyder did a great job picking out you know love Jason yeah. Momoa um, mm-hmm. did not like Ezra Miller as the Flash no. um, but yeah. uh, to answer your question Brandon I yeah. this will be the last you know remnants of the DC EU as we know I it see. And okay I see James yeah. Gunn when he comes out with his um, superman legacy movie that will be the start mm-hmm. of his official dc dcu and that's a good way to start um and speaking of the casting a little bit i i don't know if you guys noticed but amber heard appeared for one little second one second and yeah. it, it reminded me of west side story when it came out that when they released the second trailer Ansel elgort you know he has a couple of his uh, sexual allegations or his issues he did not appear in the trailer at all. Like he was, he probably oh, wow. got one second. And then like, when you watch the in movie, of movie? course, uh, West Side Story, the reboot. Oh yeah. And they, so did, they didn't market him at all. They barely did. Um, wow. Well, cause the issues of him were, you know, kind of official released uh, post, you know, editing okay. or post, you know, the movie filming. So uh, that kind of reflected me of that is, I wonder how much Amber Heard will really appear in this movie. Um, uh, comes that was one second and it kind of reminds me of Enzo award where it's like well we can't really not release the movie um he has to be in it but of like he was barely in the trailer at all so i'm getting a little bit of same vibes um so i don't know if you guys caught that but well yeah i mean the same deal yeah. with ezra miller they they yeah. literally could not release the movie they had to release it with Correct. ezra miller because they filmed it all Correct. And at least these two other movies, because uh, West Side Story, I don't see much of like the male's counterpart, but more of, uh, you know, Rachel's, uh, who is who plays uh, man. I forgot her name, but yes. Yeah. You know, we see a lot more. I, I believe it's more of a of her story. Uh, but with, uh, you know, with at least Amber Heard, she's very much a side character. Um, it's a little bit I think it's a little bit easier to change around. But what Ezra Miller is, I mean, it was I mean, being the Flash, right? It's such a difficult thing to do. Um, and it's something that you wish just never, never happened because it's going to be very hard for a movie to be marketed, uh, you know, moving forward yeah. when something like that happens. So I, I will say to answer Steve's question, listen, the DCEU is a mess. I love DC characters. I've always loved them more than Marvel. Um, obviously, Marvel has is more popular because of the movies, but I think DC has the better characters they always had. 
comics wise they're darker they're more adult i've just um they're a little more grounded in reality your yeah. batman your superman or sorry not superman he's not reality at all um but uh you know you're yeah. you know one thing that makes the nolan film so great right so um this has been a mess from the beginning i mean the first superman yeah. movie i'm one of the few people that really enjoys it i think there's some really good scenes but i also see the flaws I see the dark tone, why it wasn't received so well, especially in the time of Marvel. Um, the Justice League movie was rushed, um, you know, where the Avengers movie was very, I mean, each character got their own movie before we got the Avengers. And then right. then you're just kind of thrown into to Justice League. So listen, DCU has been a mess. Um, I don't know that this is really going to be any better. I saw that report. I don't know if this is true or not. You can't really, you don't know what to believe on uh, X these days. On Elon Musk's <laughs> X. Um, yep. That people were walking out of test screenings. I don't know if it's true or not, but listen, I'm going to go into it with an open mind. Yeah, um, I'm going to go into it with very little expectation. Um, I'm I like that I can finally kind of go into a superhero movie and not have to worry about like what's next because this right. is going to be yeah. kind of the end of that. Um, you know, it'll be fun to see Jason Momoa in this character. Uh, for those who watched, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank with the John Cena show on HBO, uh, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Peacemaker yeah. um, <laughs> you know, he makes he makes this quick cameo in that, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, uh, with Ezra Miller, funny enough. So, um, you know, yeah. it, it, Jason Momoa is is built for this character. Uh, it's funny because yeah. when you think of Aquaman, you think of like the blonde guy. Yeah, you do. With the yeah. orange jaws. Yeah, in the animated series. In the animated series, yeah. I'm so happy they went with the Hawaiian kind of origin of of this yeah. character gotta give yeah. zach zach snyder credit for that because i think to me uh one of the things i did like was they kind of make some references in the first movie of um his i guess it's maori maori mm -hmm. uh descent mm -hmm. um when he invaded mm -hmm. that uh, submarine and he's he's doing the chant and all that so i thought that was really yeah. cool. no and listen the first one's a lot of fun it's cheesy at times i'm not gonna lie to you but the, the final fight mm -hmm. sequence is amazing so I'm kind of looking forward to like all the action again, um, seeing him with mm -hmm. the trident and it looks like Manta. I'm not familiar with the trident he has, but it looks really fun. It looks like they're going to have a yeah. really good battle. So I'm really, I'm going to watch this movie yeah. and again, go into it with an open mind and you know, I'll probably enjoy it. And Steve brought this up, but Yaya, I think as Black Manta, I love seeing a villain return, um, making mm -hmm, second appearance. Yeah. So I think this movie, hope if I believe it and I really hope it does shine a lot on him I I think we're just gonna be in for a fun time right and I think at the end of it that's how I believe this movie is gonna be perceived yeah and I'm I'm curious on watching how Jason Momoa stardom is it enough to carry a movie to box office success because I think that's what mm. held the flash down I don't think people wanted to indulge Ezra Miller mm. um but Jason Momoa it's gonna be a good litmus test to see with a movie that has a, about a $200 million budget, um, yep. is he going to be able to kind of overcome the the recent, mm -hmm. you know, box office flops, Blue Beetle, Shazam, The Flash? Does he have the star and, power to overcome that? And to touch on that point, listen, we've seen a lot of box office flops. I think it's kind of good for cinema in a way that these big franchises are in a way flopping. While I enjoy Transformers, um, I understand why it flopped in the box office. I think people yeah. want original stories again. Um, we have superhero fatigue. We have big franchise fatigue. Indiana Jones was another good example. Right. Um, so, so I don't know that this is going to do well in the box office. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. It probably won't. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm excited to see it. And I think if you go into it with that like mindset of, I'm excited to see this. I don't really care what anyone else's opinion on it. 
then I think you'll be fine. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are influenced by that report that says people walk yeah. out of the test screen. <laughs> right. Uh, maybe including me, but no, I won't walk out. I, I will say this. Jason Momoa, listen, Steve is not a Fast yeah. and Furious guy. Fast tech, <laughs> Jason Momoa is the hey. villain. And and I will yeah. say it right now. He yeah. is like the, the Joker of the Fast universe. <laughs> he... <laughs> he puts on a hell of a performance in an otherwise, oh, yeah. let's yeah. be real, pretty pretty bad acting movie. Um, and even with all the big I'm names. I'm shocked to hear you say that, Jay. <laughs> listen, I yeah. love Fast and Furious. I'm yeah. a truther, but I, I can also admit, listen, yeah. I get it. They're they're corny. And um, he he steals the show in that movie. So I yeah. do think he is a big enough star to carry to carry the, the boxing. Yeah. And you know, speaking of walking out, just before we kind of end this, the only movie I ever walked out of in my life was back in 2011 or 2012, uh, Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds. Only wow. movie speaking in my life. DC. I'm so sorry. Only movie I ever walked out from the theater. <laughs> <laughs> sticking with okay, the DC yours? slander. Uh, Ooh, it wasn't because it was bad. It was actually because I was too young. And it was, I was scared. Uh, the Ring 2, um, I was terrified, okay. and, okay. I, can and I was yeah. I didn't I didn't even walk out on the girl coming out of the TV. I walked out on a moose hitting a car. It's a really dumb scene. Looking at it as an adult, I don't know why I was so scared, but I was just terrified of the movie. So I actually it's, walked. It's out. I never walked like out of a movie because it was bad. Yeah. All right, I got I got a few movies, two movies that I, oh. I walked out of. Okay. Uh, one was actually I, we might have finished this, but it was horrible. The Chernobyl Diaries really bad if you guys I, remember that <laughs> it was a good movie i liked it oh my god <laughs> it was terrible and then the second one i think it's a good movie i just was too young to we we're just me and my buddy just went to go see this movie and i don't know it was probably too adult for us high schoolers called at world's end we were it was like two weeks two weeks before we saw this is the end and we're like we should watch at world's end because it looked funny it had simon Pegg in it i believe yeah um yeah, no. Walk no. That I thought you were talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean movie for a second. Uh, no, not at World. Right. No, it's, no, it's literally, it's 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 literally called At World's End. At the World's okay. End. Okay. And All it's right. it's like a comedy British movie, and yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can see why you walked out of it. Hence um, the Simon Pegg in it. Um. Okay, it's interesting. Yeah, I've never walked out of a movie because it was bad. Um, yeah. My thought is, if I if I paid for it, I guess I might as well stick it out. Um. That's that's the third. That's to, yeah. That's the third world ad. Just saying, like, no, we're sticking through it. <laughs> I paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly that. Um. So yeah, I've never walked out of a movie because it was bad. Um. Maybe this is why more people stick to streaming. Um. Because you don't have to commit to a full movie if you don't like it. So um. That's. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well. I think that puts a bow on it. Uh, we only have a few minutes left. So, yeah, uh, obviously excited for Aquaman 2. We got a few more movies we're going to break down. But, you know, obviously two more episodes of Ahsoka that we're going to get to as well. So uh, stick with us. Follow us. We now have a Twitter, Balls Deep Cinema. Uh, we've been uh, putting out some of our good movie takes on there, not the bad ones, of course. And um, and then we're on TikTok as well. I promise we're going to push out some TikTok com- uh, content soon. So yeah, uh, follow us there. Uh, Stick with us next Tuesday will be our next episode. And uh, we'll see you then.